Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack. I am your host, Josh Scar. This is where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. Joining me this week is Becky. Becky, how are you doing? I'm so popular now. I'm basically the new Brennan from On Chef. (laughs) (laughs) I think he would take that as a compliment. Heck yeah. Back from a long hiatus is Beppo. Beppo, how you been? Hi, I've been doing, uh, I'm, I'm alive. It's great. <laughs> Better than the alternative. I was going to say that's, that's pretty much the, the best we can hope for at this point is just being alive. It's good to be back. The last time I recorded was our lost episode. So I, I'm even more out of the loop because our wonderful viewers haven't heard me. True. Well, I'm, I'm sure they will enjoy this one. Uh, just a forewarning, I am struggling a little bit with the, the whole talking thing. Uh, I've got a little bit of a sore throat, so I'm going to kind of, I'm going to try to steer the conversation as best I can, but my input might be a little, little less inputted than normal. Um, so this, this conversation might be driven a little bit more by Becky, Becky and Beppo. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say, uh, Josh, uh, so you're struggling with the talking of talking smack, huh? <laughs> yes. Yes. The only thing I can do now is smack, which um, that that's not anyone. Yes. Yes. Something that my parents tried to to beat out of me. ASMR for some people right there, which I'm probably going to edit that out because I don't want, I don't like those noises. I, I edit out those noises as much as I can. Oh, leave you all the noises of bow chewing stuff. Josh, you don't want this. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's exaggerated. That's fine. What I just did was just gross. It was just, ah, no, I don't like it. Okay. Note to self, send Josh ASMR videos. Well, it depends on the, I mean, if it's like leaves crunching or, you know, like a babbling brook, sure. Well, the next time I eat an extra peanut butter PB and J, I'll send yes. you some, some vocals. <laughs> you know how much money she could make doing that? A lot. So much OnlyFans gross ASMR. <laughs> There's a market for it, I'm sure. I'm just gonna uh, stir a pot of mac and cheese over and over again. Oh yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Was it Dane Cook that had that bit where he he would stir the mac and cheese and like he might have stolen it from somebody else? I think it was Joe Coy. I think that's his original. I'll trust you for that one. I, I just remember, I think I have a vague memory of Dane Cook doing it, but uh, that could have been, again, a stolen bit. Uh, but speaking of Brendan from Unchefed, we're going to take a quick break so we can hear a quick ad from him and his podcast at Unchefed, and we'll be right back. Hello, everyone. This is Brendan from the Unchefed podcast. Each week on Unchefed, we unpack a topic regarding the politics and history of our plates in the hope of becoming better eaters. That's Unchefed, available now on your preferred podcast network. And welcome back. I counted us back in really weirdly. I I, I did like the finger guns for two. Yeah, you did. I noticed that. That was it's, interesting. It's, yeah, my medication is making me a little loopy. <laughs> so this is going to be a fun episode to record. Let's go. <laughs> so we are we are talking about Turning Red, uh, the 25th Pixar movie. And a very transparent allegory for young women hitting puberty. Um, it's not something I really think we need to mince words on because it is a conversation that a lot of people will have. Um, I mean, we have 51% of the population is women and you have people like me who have three daughters. So it's a conversation that I'm going to have whether I want to have it or not. 
<laughs> and it should just be a nice, normal conversation. It yeah. really shouldn't be a big deal. It, it always feels like it's such a scary, taboo topic. And and heck, uh, some some fathers or parents in general look at uh, female puberty and menstruation as like a shameful thing. Like, how dare you enter adulthood? Like, yo, thanks. Like, I can control that. Trust me, if it were up to me, it would have never started. Or like, oh, we're so sorry. Here's what you have to start dealing with. Like, this isn't going to be good. And you're like, wow, this is a really crappy way to get me into this next stage of my life. But thanks, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, boy, I'm so excited. (laughs) So what we normally do with our reviews is we do like non-spoilers, what we liked, what we didn't like. But this is really more of just like a conversation piece movie, in my opinion. You can't really talk about it without getting into spoilers. And you can't really talk about the subtext without talking about the spoilers so we're just going to go full spoilers spoiler warning ahead big time i'm i would be bad at not spoiling it anyway so i'm glad you said that yeah amen i i get carried away and when i get excited i'll probably end up spoiling things so thank you josh (laughs) yeah i mean i i feel like we need it's been out for about a month at this point already so it's it's not really a big deal to spoil it um there is some controversy surrounding it but it's from people that clearly don't really know better in my opinion or they're extraordinarily sensitive and old-fashioned we'll say um someone uh recommend uh talked to someone that i know and they're like oh i hope josh and her his kids haven't watched this yet there's there's a swear and it's inappropriate i'm just like it's pg how inappropriate is this really gonna be and so i did like a, a dad preview screening and i think the only thing that really bothered me because my kids are still like under eight years old is they say crap quite a few times. And that's something we're trying to keep away from the language right now. And other than that, I'm like, whatever, none of this is anything that isn't going to be coming up in the next like six years or so. Right. And the same people that complain about a movie like this where, oh, it's a controversial subject because it's about female puberty they'll find any tiny reason to also tack it on that it's inappropriate for children to watch like that like oh they say swear words i'm like these are the same people that take their kids to go see even just the marvel movies how many marvel movies nowadays are getting away with like close to an f-bomb i i know damn well i've heard damn and shit and bastard i've heard those in marvel movies For you, I understand your children are still very young. You don't want them saying crap. They can wait till they're teenagers to say crap. You know what I mean? But you're not also complaining, saying this is an inappropriate movie. And then yet also letting your daughters watch movies that just shout shit, damn, F, this. (laughs) Wait, why? Okay, why can't we say crap? Curious. It's a it's a light swear. Yeah, for me and my family, it's more just. I want my kids to have different words right now because they're mostly interacting with like teachers and uh, just people that need to have more respectful ways of being spoken to, in my opinion. Yeah, I I don't need them walking up to grandma and being like, what is this crap? What is this? (laughs) Until they get to the age where they understand the difference of, hey, using a stronger word. Exactly. Because I'm like, well, it's, it's good to, well, the movie that we're about to talk about, it's good to be able to learn how to express that you're angry or unhappy with something, which is something a lot of kids are not taught how to do correctly. So that, but I'm like, yeah, I know it upsets other adults, but then I'm like, but they're just, you know, how else do kids express that they're 
mad about something or that they don't like something. If you're always like, well, don't, don't do that. Which is, which is what I really like about that movie is that that's the whole point is her mom, a lot of the things that she's not happy with, she's not allowed to express, which happens to girls and kids, of course, but it's, it's like, they're not tiny humans. They have different rules than we do. Yeah. Once they hit like tens and preteens, like that's, that's absolutely fine. They've learned a little bit more contextual ways of saying things right now. It's everything is very literal. Yeah. They'll just throw it all out there. Exactly. So, I mean, I've heard kids dropping F-bombs at the park and all that sort of stuff. And at our time at the game store, we had kids that were, there was, oh my gosh, I'm going on a little tangent here, but there was one kid that looked, couldn't have been more than like 11 or 12. And he walked up to the counter, like he was a dude ready to pick up a chick at the bar, just like leaned up on the counter. Like, Hey, can I get GTA? You're five. Fuck no. He's a Casanova already. <laughs> baby Casanova. Or at least he thinks he's a baby Casanova. Yeah, he's he's one of those kids that the parents had too short of a, or too long of a leash with. And he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm an adult. I'm 11. I know what I'm doing. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Which is kind of like um, part of the moral lesson here is that, yeah, you're 13. You're discovering who you are. But that doesn't mean you're an adult yet. My dog is a teenager right now uh, doing whatever he wants. And not listening. I'm speaking of long leashes, <laughs> he does, he needs a longer leash actually. Ah, that, that would make him happier. Ah, <laughs> I get it. I see what in there, Josh. I'm clever sometimes. Well, hell yeah! All right, guys, let's grab this giant red panda by the ears and jump into it. Oh, I thought she was gonna say tail. I got excited. Fuck. <laughs> also good. Also good. Let's do the th- metaphor and get on and do the thing. That's what she said. Yeah. I wonder why they picked Red Panda. Do we know why? I didn't look anything up. Red pandas are fucking cute. I mean, they are. They're adorable. And they are native to Chinese, which Mei Mei has Chinese heritage. Yes. And I feel like the color red was probably appropriate given the messaging they're going for. I wonder if I was like, I wonder if that's why like the... Yeah, not I mean, not the blatant period stuff, but more like the anger stuff is what I got from all that. I, I could be I could be wrong. I'm gonna double check it, but I'm pretty sure red pandas are like a symbol of of, of kind of like a warrior or bravery or something too. I'll double check on it, but I know there's an actual sim- symbolism. I, I was like I I thought about it and I just I I'm not a person who looks up like movie meanings unless I'm very interested in it. I like to just do what I, I think what I think and then that's kind of it. <laughs> I don't need, uh, I like, sometimes I'm like, I don't need any of the extra background stuff. But that one, I was just curious about. In China, the red panda is a symbol of good luck, especially for newlyweds. And it is believed that the red panda is a master of true seeing and disguise. Hmm, interesting. Thanks, thanks Google. <laughs> Google, you're the best. Well, uh, I, Josh mentioned it earlier before we started, but yes, I... I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm going to say I'm not a movie person. I prefer to watch TV shows. When I watch movies, I get very confused and I feel like I don't understand what's happening. Everything's too fast and I miss all the context. I don't know if it's just my brain or what, but that movies like make me anxious, even children's movies because things happen. And I was like, what? Like I, when I watched Encanto, I was like, I, I don't, I don't like any of these people. I'm supposed to like them. Like everything happens so fast that my brain's not ready. But I was I texting you. him like 20 minutes into this movie, like, why is this one of the best 
instant classics that Pixar has made. Like I loved it so much and I wasn't even finished with it. And I was already telling Josh, I was how obsessed I was. One thing I absolutely love about it, I'm actually a big fan of the art style. It was so much fun to see them do something very different than what they normally do. Uh, For one, it totally reminded me of Wallace and Gromit, especially with the big teeth and the mouth movements. Yes. Uh, Yes. But also um, just last year, the year before, um, the, not Miyazaki, I'm sorry, um, Studio Ghibli uh, did their very first completely 3D animated movie movie not movie and oh god what was it called was it called the ear witch in the earwig or something a really weird name but the animation did not translate well i thought it looked ugly oh it's earwig and the witch but it just you'd think something as classic and stylistic as as miyazaki and studio ghibli it would look really cool but it to me it looked like trash it was awkward this when since I saw the trailer, this was like, oh, that's the 3D movie Studio Ghibli needed. This was the animation team they needed to capture that really charming. I, I almost want to say like it's kind of a fam, family all friendly anime because I know a lot of people who don't like anime uh, art styles because uh, they're very stylized. But with Miyazaki, it's like that perfect mash of anime and Disney come together as just this really cute storybook art. And that's kind of how I felt about um, uh, Turning Red. I loved the art direction for it. Yeah, it was it was super, like, just, yeah, bright, colorful, cute, but different. Not, yeah, not what you're used to, like, expected to see. It went with one of my favorite uh, 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 things, and it's actually from Matt Groening, uh, it was with character design. If you can completely silhouette the character and have nothing on it, just a black outline, and you know who that character is, you did good character design. And obviously like that, that. Ca- that carries over to the Simpsons, Futurama, a lot of the stuff he's worked on where you see a silhouette, you know who it is. And that's kind of why I felt about this movie is everyone had their own special silhouettes you know every head shape was different uh body sizes were goofy and silly and tall and lanky and short and stubby and all this so i i loved it personally when lewis and i were talking about encanto we were talking about how disney had found that like 3d animation style and i feel like pixar's kind of done that with this with uh turning red and luca they both kind of have that wallace and gromit not quite um claymation look but it's very similar in the art style and the the mouths and everything it kind of looks like the uh the peanuts movie from like 2015 i think or 2016 where again it it blends itself really well with the the art style and it, it doesn't quite look like claymation doesn't quite look like cg cg animation it's a really nice blend of the two and i'm wondering if that's going to be a, a running thing with pixar going forward because with luca and with turning red they are very similar, if not the same art style. I would 100% be cool with that because I, I like the idea of every movie having their own distinct feel. Because uh, it's like, and you could do that. You can have an animation studio that has their distinct look or their distinct kind of animation style. But to have every movie feel like it's its own little special thing with its different character designs and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I would be 100% cool if they continue with this. Their next movie doesn't have to look a thing like the characters from Turning Red. But if it still has that charm of a whole new character design and like you're in a whole new world, be it fantasy or 
Ontario, Canada. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's a fantasy for a lot of us right now. Yeah, right. I know. Uh, One of the people I follow on Twitter, uh, a guy named Ben from Canada, he lives in the UK now, but he grew up in in Canada. He kind of poked fun at the controversy around this movie saying, oh, this movie is about people who lived on the outskirts of Toronto. I can't relate to this. I grew up in Toronto. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, (laughs) how dare they? Oh, so unrelatable. So unrelatable. Can't even. It's like, wait, you you related to any setting and any what (laughs) it's not the tri-state area in america so it's very confusing apparently can't relate all joking aside as far as unrelatable goes uh the the any of the people who were very upset about this movie dealing with female puberty and how dare they josh for one brought up well 51 percent of the world population is female so straight even if you just split it 50 50 Half of the people on this planet go through female puberty. We go through menstruation. We go through things like that. But the thing that was really charming about this this movie was it had more blatant, obvious references to it. So, of course, the morning she wakes up and she's a red panda and her mom's like, oh, shit, it's time. She's on her period and she rushes and she's like, I have I have ibuprofen. I have pads. I have tampons. I we got fucking instruction books. I got you, girl. Um, so, you know, you have the, the obvious stuff, you have the less obvious things. Um, I was watching this with my, my best friend. And one of the things that she pointed out that I didn't even catch was, um, so after she starts turning into the panda and her parents explain to her about the family curse, um, they, they put her in a separate bedroom where there's no furniture. There's nothing. It's literally just a mattress on the floor with some blankets and pillows And of course, in the context of the movie, that's for her to, you know, if she turns into the panda, she doesn't break stuff like she did when she panicked earlier. But my friend, um, uh, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was something like that. Like, okay, we got you a mattress and fresh sheets. And they go, you know, and I think they said something like, just in case any accidents happen and you turn in the middle of the night. As soon as she said that, she's like, oh, I get it. And I look, I'm like, what? She's like, in case you have any accidents, the clean sheets, it's, it's like when you first get your period. And uh, again, unfortunately, some nights it starts overnight, you wake up in the morning and, oh, well, there's blood on my bed sheet now. Great. You know, I just ruined that. And it was just kind of charming to see something like that referenced, but also have it be a little bit more subtle. It wasn't in your face, but also you could take it in the context of, hey, so no accidents happen overnight you turn into a panda and you break your bed frame again, you know? So it's, it's one of those things where it can be relatable if you look for it. It's not offensively in your face. So it's not like a little boy will go into the theater and how, how dare they? I can't relate. Everyone can relate to puberty, but puberty is different dependent on your, on your gender. And in the sense of just cis male, cis female, in the case of this, uh, not to exclude, you know, of course, trans puberties and, and gender fluid and things like that. But as far as more of a cis female type puberty, like, you know, it's, it, it, you can find the clues that they're there. They're not so um, elitist that a little boy can watch this movie and not connect with it. How many male puberty movies are there out there that, you know, I didn't go through 
that kind of stuff, but I can sure as hell relate. <laughs> or on the other side, when I watch it, I'm like, uh, I don't care if like, I, I don't care if a boy can't relate to it then. Okay. That's one thing you can't yeah, relate to. Exactly. There are a ton of other movies specifically written for you. Like, I, I think I understand like inclusivity and all that kind of stuff. And it's important, but at the same time, I, I don't, yeah, it doesn't, it shouldn't matter. And also it's a, I, I know it was like a trend for a little while. Like when girls would like mention things that are totally true about periods to like their guy friends. And then the guys would be like, wait, what? Whoa, wow. That's crazy. And I'm like, that's embarrassing. Like they should know <laughs> they shouldn't be living. Like if, if you're, yeah, if you're a cis male and you're planning on dating and it's going to be like, you know, male and female, you should know what's going on. It shouldn't be like a big mystery. You know what? You take care of that. I'm not going to learn anything about it. Yeah. Catch you on the flip side. Yeah. And it's not a, you know, the movie itself, it's not a movie about periods. And I think that's like what people get like stuck on. And then like, they're like, that's it. It's still just, you know, it's a group of friends. Like if you were to just watch it and like sit down and watch it, it's a movie about, it's a, it's a group of friends. And then they do a thing. They just want to go to a concert. That's all it is. Coming of age. Coming of age. Uh, I, I, again, I watched it with my best friend and we were cackling at so many things because we're like, we did that. But in, take out the boy bands and put in anime convention. And that's almost exactly how like my first anime con- convention with a group of friends went. Because I was I was 15 and I'm just like, I want to do this. I'm a I'm an adult now, mom and dad. <laughs> now, what I was, there was like a few things. I did not have this childhood. That's all I'm going to say. So even me, who... I'm going to call myself an outlier for a lot of things for various reasons. Even I was able to watch and appreciate like stuff like that. So I did not have my, I'm an adult and I want to go do this thing. I didn't have my group of girlfriends I really wanted to hang out with. I I didn't have, you know, three best friends. I I didn't have that kind of stuff growing up. I'm a very individual, lonely kind of girl, but like I can still there, I, I, you know, I still see from the outside, like all how like important all those things are and how that does just naturally happen. Like you get your group of friends and you know, whatever that big first thing you want to do is like, maybe it is a PG 13 movie or a convention or like a concert or something like that. Like no matter what you, you know, you can put yourself in that situation. So one of the big things that I've been seeing with this is that uh, a lot of people, especially men uh, are like, I, I I quit watching this after 10 minutes. I, I couldn't get into this, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Dude, bro, got to go lift some weights. Well, hey, sh- sh- Shave my chest, you know. Um, uh, but like, the, I, I didn't necessarily relate to anything. Like, yeah, it's a coming of age story and all that sort of stuff. But it was still fun. Like, I don't think that 10, 11, even 15 year old Josh would have hated this movie. I, I really don't get, it's just people that are uncomfortable with talking about this sort of stuff and they're just too whatever to really dive into the conversation. And even then, like you've both of you have said, it's not extraordinarily overt. It's nowhere near as overt as I thought it would be. I do want to say that if there is someone that I related to, it probably was Tyler, not necessarily because I was like the bully, but because I was secretly at that age, I was secretly like, I like NSYNC. I like Backstreet Boys. All right. You're in our gal group now, Josh. <laughs> 
I mean, Be- Becky, I mean, you were at our wedding. You know, we did a, like a whole ru- we did a whole routine to bye bye bye. <laughs> yes, I've done the bye 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 dance several times it on many occasions. Why did I not meet you until after this happened? I feel like I missed. It, that it was. You got to blame Lewis. That yep, it's all Lewis. Lewis's God fault. damn it. There are so many little things in this movie that I really enjoyed. Like the the first time uh, May May turns into the panda and she runs into the bathroom. There's that one girl that just kind of like walks out of the stall and there's just this little thing that you're not even looking for it. But as I was watching it, you see, she's got the the diabetic thing Mm -hmm. on her arm. I forget what it's called, but it's the smallest thing ever. My my fiance is a type one diabetic. So I know what you're talking about. It's like a, it's an insulin pump that actually attaches to your body and you can regulate how much insulin goes into it. That's like for the people who have really good health care. I'm just saying. (laughs) Well, they're in Canada, so they've got good health care. Right. Yeah. So that makes sense. <laughs> you don't see that shit in American TV. We can't afford it. It's a little thing that you wouldn't notice, but a little kid that has that. There's a little girl in my my one of my daughter's classes. She has one of those. And I'm sure she saw that immediately and was like, I have that. Oh, my God. Which, which is the best. Right. Yeah. And when you see yourself in these movies, it, it just it makes it that much more special. So like what are what are some of the things that you both have, either both whatever of you oh, enjoyed about that's this? Really? Like when I, I texted you right away, because I like I said, 20 minutes in, I was like, I'm watching a movie that felt like it was written by a female for females. I was like, OK, a girl wrote this about being a girl. Like, I really like this. Uh, I think my favorite thing overall, I, I love like anything like, I'm, like I said, I'm not a coming of age person. I don't really like like not like true love and dynamics and all that kind of stuff. I like all the I like the friendship stuff. Um, I think one of my favorite moments, of course, spoiler alerts was like you, you know, Tyler's fucking obnoxious the entire time. And you're like, you fuck this kid. And then at the end, when he, when they see him and he's like really embarrassed because he's at this concert and they don't make fun of him at all. It's like, they, it's not even a second thought. They just immediately pull him over because they're like, oh no shit. Like, check it out. You like what we're into. And then at the end, he's part of the front group. That's so good. I know. I love that. He has such a good little arc. It wasn't like, you know, when she, um, when she jumps on him, when she's like super angry as the panda, it's not the bully was being like a fucking brat. And so he got, he got his comeuppance. Like, you know, he's going to get beat up by whatever. Like, no, it was that, you know, he had something that they could relate to common ground. He just yep. didn't. Yeah. Like he just didn't know how to express that. Obviously he was acting out of insecurity as bullies do. Like we know that now as cliche as it is, things are only cliche because they're a hundred percent correct. So at the end, you know, when they, when he isn't part of that friend group, you just also have to assume like, his personality is probably different. You know, he was probably lonely and now he's not because, you know, he's not jealous that these four girls are like the best of friends and maybe he doesn't have that. Oh, I thought that was, oh, it was so cute. I know we brought it up earlier. I like how they handled, there isn't like this stereotypical arch rival or bully. Cause even uh, Tyler, right? I can't remember the name. I'm so bad yes. at names. Uh, even Tyler, he wasn't the popular kid and he's making fun of the nerds. He was kind of just a normal kid. He wasn't the class bully. He was just kind of a normal kid. Yeah, he was just an annoying ass kid. And and you know what? The only reason they didn't like him is because he just got on their nerves. And sometimes yes. it's as simple as that. 
It doesn't have to be a bully who terrorizes you. It doesn't have to be the popular girl or the popular boy. Sometimes it's just that one kid in class that he's annoying to you and you're annoying to him and you guys just don't like each other because you just find each other obnoxious. But how many times did you initially not like somebody in one of your classes and then you ended up best school buddies by the end of the year? You find that one thing that you have in common, that common ground, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, you're not as annoying as I thought you were. <laughs> you're a person like I am. Yes. Well, and from the from the trailers, I mean, it was it was short, but we're, yeah, when the, you know, cute, like, blonde girl with the ponytail and comes out of the bathroom stall and does, like, the OMG and, like, gets pushed back in. There's that moment where they, like, come in the bathroom and they're like, there you are, and you can tell they're gonna, like, you know, they kind of do that little setup of, like, uh-oh, all these girls are gonna, like, find out about this, and then they're like, we love it! And there's yes. no, yes, there is zero girl-on-girl competition or like anything like that. Like, and yeah, there's, there's yeah. like no competition with boys or any, like they all have, you know, their own, the, um, the boy group or whatever. They all have their own boy or whatever that they have a crush on. Oh, like, I, I have something to which bring Which is up. totally how that works. Exactly. Well, and yeah, and, and yes, there are, are, there are rivalries in school. Nobody's dumb. We don't think that everything's kumbaya, but it's not, there's not always a rivalry in school. So it was so nice to see this where some kids didn't like each other and that's fine, but it wasn't like this huge, oh, it's the jocks versus the nerds dynamic kind of thing. Yeah, they just kind of left that out. Every teen cartoon or movie is like that and it's so annoying. So yeah, to see kids just being kids, I loved it. It was such a great atmosphere to the movie. One of my favorite parts of the entire movie is I cannot tell you how many times I would ask a question and immediately, immediately it would be answered or <laughs> somebody would ask the same question. And I, I cracked up. I kid you not. The part where she's talking to her mom about attending the Before Town concert and she does that little presentation slideshow thing. I said, why is it called Before Town if there's five boys? <laughs> the instant I finish that sentence, the mom goes, why are there four boys if it's called five town or, or, or sorry, why is it four town if there's five boys? She said the exact same thing word <laughs> for word I did. And my friend and I almost fell off the couch laughing. And it was the same thing for everything. I can't remember any specific examples. I specifically wrote that down during the movie because I was like, I have to bring that up to Josh. <laughs> I want to talk about this. I caught that the second time I watched it. That was, I was thinking the but same it thing. It was literally, uh, I, I want to say there was at least three, maybe four times in the movie where I would say, well, wait, what are they going to do now? And they're like, oh God, uh, or no, I would be like, oh, you know what I would do to get out of the situation or do this? I do X, Y, Z. They're like, shit, we got to do X, Y, Z. So it made it even more relatable with me and my bestie because not only did we see ourselves in the situation as far as growing up as these kind of nerdy kids into, again, replace boy bands for anime and manga, but the girls have the same kind of vibe. But replace that, and not only was it super adorable and relatable because it reminded us of that same stuff that we did as adults, sketchbook anyone? I can't tell you how many sketchbooks I hid that had pictures of me and Inuyasha making out. <laughs> <laughs> so the instant she crawled under her bed and started drawing mermaid pictures of that convenience store guy, I was 
dead. But that was kind of the best thing is I, I was like, oh God, that brought up such embarrassing memories. But I'm in my 30s now and these embarrassing memories are almost charming now that I'm past those. So to see these girls do the same embarrassing shit that I did when I was that age, oh my God, this is easily the most relatable I have seen a movie to my personal life. It's incredible. The good parts of my personal life. I've watched (laughs) enough tragedies to go, oh God, it's me. And then you watch something that's, well, and also that it's, it's just normal. Like it, it still might make you, I know that when I, first watch that she makes the face and then she rolls on her bed I, oh that face though it was one of the trailers for it and I was like what the fuck is happening this is this is weird I was like I might not like this movie after all I was like I don't know what the fuck she's doing out of the bed but I'm in the in the context of the scene I like I got it and then I was like okay like this is it is normal like you're supposed to be like oh no like how cringe and terrible which it is but at the same time it's, you know, everybody else is doing it. Bro, it's just I that... still make that face up. <laughs> I still make that face at, at the age that I'm at. I will do something and I do that with nostrils flare up. My mouth just drops into an O shape and <laughs> I do that still. So the instant she did that face again, I'm cackling like a witch because this is just. It was one of the funniest. Oh, it's the greatest. Animated like it was. It was done so good. See, that's I was like, okay, I, I missed a lot of puberty stuff. So I did not ever do anything like that. So I, again, for me, I get it from the outside. I understand even not having to go through it. So I guess maybe I am the boy that watched this. You could say that <laughs> because I did, but like, but now, uh, now I'm kind of like going through all that stuff for the first time where I'm like, oh, like. A boy, like, ooh, I like this boy instead of being like boys, whatever. I don't care. Like that one, this one, kiss it, don't kiss it. Doesn't matter to me. Like, I'll watch other like when I was at that age, I was watching like my best friend at the time. She oh my gosh, I just remember she liked a boy named Nick. It doesn't matter. He had four letters in his name, and she just um she would write everything in fours. Like when she wrote her oh aim away God. message, it was like four exclamation points, or she would put like four periods or like four of this. And literally because his name had four letters. And I I have always literally up until two years ago been like, that's so fucking dumb. Like like who who would do this? But now that I'm kind of going through like my very first, like I, I like a big crush, like a real one where I'm like, oh my God, I, I have a crush on this person. And I can't stop crushing on them. I totally get it. Where you do something and you're like, I'm doing this because of so-and-so. I think that's a perfect example of how female puberty, as far as the hormone and the crush side, it is a different experience than male, male puberty. Because I think generally speaking, girls go through so many more emotional up and downs and trying to connect the dots like that. Whereas guys tend to be a little bit more straightforward um, as far as, you know, hitting puberty. And I, again, I am not a, I am not male. I did not experience male puberty, but strictly from media and constantly seeing movies, cartoons, shows that are a euphemism for male puberty, that's how, what I interpret. But like what you said about, oh, Nick, four letters, four exclamation points, four hearts, four everything. It still makes me laugh. That, that to, <laughs> to my 
brain that went through female puberty and remembers being 12, 13. I understand that. I know exactly why she did that. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Cause it is, you, you, you have this little romantic bud in your name and you're like, oh, four letters. My name is four letters. Oh my God. We were meant to be <laughs> Or like every time you see the number four, it's like, Oh my goodness. Like, oh. I, like, yeah, I never got it growing up. I was just like, this is so dumb. And now that I do understand it, yes. that's why I'm watching like a lot of like the little, the little crush scenes were like, I, I was like, okay, I get this. It's super cute. And it's totally like, I also, I have a little sister who's 16 now. Now I know she's just basically doing like all the same things, like so-and-so is cute and, or like, well, now that guy's over with and now this guy's cute. Like all the things that like she goes through now, I I can like see that in this movie was, you know, probably the same thing where it's not, (laughs) yeah, you're like, it's so cringy, but I totally understand why you're doing this. You just can't help it. It just happens. Generally speaking, when you watch coming of age or even teenage movies, most of us don't have that one embarrassing thing that the entire school sees. That's always the catalyst, right? One thing happens and the entire school is laughing at you. Yes, that can happen. But every time there is a major turn in a movie with teenagers, it's something like that. It's always got to be big. But you know what? Sometimes the worst fucking thing that can happen to you is your mom finding your notebook of of scandal scandalous drawings, aka of your crush as a merman, or you guys kissing in an anime art style. Like that, that right there, that's world ending. I cannot tell you how many times I accidentally turned in homework and forgot to erase my doodles of like a shirtless, <laughs> like anime character, or me and them kissing. Literally nothing dirty. I wasn't drawing R-rated porn stuff. I was drawing snuggle pictures. But oh my God, if my mom or dad or teacher saw that, I felt like my whole world was going to die. So that entire scene where she finds a drawing and marches to the convenience store. And the fact that the guy in the store, he was what, 20 or something? So like a younger... He was 17. 17. So yeah, he was an older teen. And... He is not good looking, generally speaking. These girls are swooning and he's just kind of this also post-pubescent weird kid and he's just kind of a mouth breather, but they're like, oh, he's so... When I was in fifth grade, my dad made fun of me because I had a crush on a new boy every two weeks. (laughs) So seeing that reminded me of younger me before puberty but like right at that start where you're starting to get crushes again and I'm like oh god every two weeks on the dot I would have a new crush on a boy in my class (laughs) so that because she's like he's not cute at all then all of a sudden maybe he is cute (laughs) oh that cracked me up I loved I really did love this that was if I have one complaint about the entire movie, it would be how like the rest of that scene unfolded. And then they don't address it again. And I was, I was uncomfortable on behalf of said 17 year old boy. Cause I know it was supposed to be the catalyst of embarrassing thing that happens. Tyler's there. All these other people are there. Um, so that the mom, you know, not only sees the drawings and like, she doesn't address it with her daughter, which is, you know, obviously what your parents should do in a beautiful ideal world that's where you sit down and like talk about it or be like hey you know what like this is fine this is normal like whatever it's that she 
she puts the blame on this older boy and the the words that she's using in that particular scene and like the emotions that are there that she as the mom assumes her young daughter who's you know still a child that she says couldn't possibly be doing this of her own accord that this man this male who's older has somehow corrupted her child has touched her child has done something inappropriate to her child was actually absolutely unacceptable to me as far as watching that part of the movie they don't address it and I did not like that that's definitely a perpetuation of like I don't even know like I don't want to say like the idea of rape culture but that scene was kind of heavy with that and I didn't I did not like it. It left a bad taste in my mouth. It should have been done differently. I can understand where you're coming from. And I think it might just be a, a pers- different world perspective. Again, not, not that you're wrong. I didn't initially get that feeling because I see what it was for. It's, it's a, from the very beginning, you see that she's very close to her family and her mother is clearly the matriarch, very clearly. But it kind of goes with the theme because even after the birthday party and things go wrong, the first person she blames are her group of friends. But one thing I noticed, she's not blaming all of the kids. She's only blaming the one girl. So, yes. And and unfortunately, not that I was a saint as a child, but I never got into a bad crowd. Like I, I was never a early drinker or drugs kid. I never smoked. I never did any of that stuff. I was a nerdy kid who liked anime. So I was pretty harmless. But I've, I had this one friend growing up all the time where she just saw me as the enemy, no matter what. I was the bad influence, even though we literally did nothing wrong. The worst thing we ever did was skip out on confirmation one day to go f- to one of the abandoned rooms in church and play a game. That was the worst thing we ever did. And it wasn't even, oh, we're playing a game with boys. We were playing, like, catch the ball. <laughs> It's like all we did. We're like 12. I think that's just catch. And ever since then, yeah, ever since then, that one friend's mom just hated my guts because I was a bad influence on her perfect child. So for me, I didn't interpret the scene like that only because I saw that and I know I knew that mom and I felt the pain that. Oh, I can't remember what name was it. Bridget or something. The redheaded girl, the the girl with the braces and uh, the green. Wasn't it Miranda? No, no, I I don't remember. Yeah, Jazz, get get it really quick. Pull up everybody's list. I you know it's like how is how, Priya's the easiest name to remember. Priya, um, I believe the the short stubby girl was Abby Abigail. Miriam, it was Miriam. Miriam, Miriam. Thank you. I knew I thought it started with M. Uh, but like if you took Miriam and Malin and combined them, that was probably me growing up. I looked exactly like the redheaded girl down to the braces and even the clothing she wore and the messy curly hair that was clearly unbrushed. But take the personality of those two and mesh them and that was me. So the the moment where things go wrong at the birthday party and the mom comes up and basically just starts berating not only the group of friends, but specifically that one. I'm pretty sure one of the lines was even like, I knew you were no good from the start. I heard that from a friend's mom, a good friend. And it crushes you so for me that was a catalyst of showing that not only is her mom clearly overwhelming and bossy and she takes charge of things but not only does she not think her daughter's capable of doing anything bad or out of line 
but she specifically blames everyone else instead of her daughter because her daughter is perfect in her eyes. See, you know, I thought they could do that because I, I liked that at the party where she blames Miriam and she does that where she's like, I like your friends, but I don't like that Miriam girl or whatever. So in my head, when I was watching, it, I was like, take away, like, take away the, you know, her confronting the 17 year old and put another, like, have her, have the mom have another issue with Miriam in there instead of the boy. That's like why I, I understand the reason for it, but I think it just could have done been done in a better way. It was a very throwaway thing. What did you do to like you? Did you touch my child? That's the part that, yeah, it's. I just don't, I just didn't understand. I mean, I'm still thinking about it. That's it, upset me. I really didn't like that, oh, but I I'm understand sorry. the blaming. <laughs> I understand the blaming of Miriam, and I actually think that was really good, also because out of this very diverse group of friends, technically, Miriam is like us, you know, she's the white one of the group. But I do, I, I, I don't know if that was a thing, but I know I was like. She doesn't like, she said she likes the other two and very specifically doesn't like Miriam. And I was like, is it because she's the white one? Which, which would make sense. You know, she would be the one that would have the bad, more like influence that keeps her away from what her mom probably thinks is more traditional family values. Whereas the other two probably have a lot, uh, their family dynamic is probably a lot different and more quote unquote acceptable to the mom. Yeah, no, there was so many parts in this movie that made me laugh, but I will say I want to add on that um, I I am not the type of person that cries when I watch movies. I, I might get a, a, cup, a little sniffly or even a frog in my throat, but I don't tend to bawl when I watch shows or movies or anything like that. I, I was literally like weeping. Oh my God, just talking about it, I got choked up uh, at the end of this movie um, when they're all inside of the Red Moon kind of dream area for the to to banish the red panda spirit and she finds her mom as a teenage girl just weeping oh that that was really good i did the same i didn't i don't cry and i did but i like i did definitely get like the oh no like she's helping her mom well and it was just the whole like i will never be good enough in anyone's eyes it wasn't even my like my mom won't accept me uh, cause especially if you come from any type of broken or overbearing family, sometimes you get to that age, that point where you're like, you know what? Mom will never accept me. Your dad will next to me. I don't even care anymore. But that mindset where you have childhood PTSD of no one will accept me. No one will love me. That's intergenerational trauma yeah. address. That's what really got to me and I've had experiences with. So the whole entire part of her finding her mom and being like, look, I got you. Like, just hold my hand. We can get through this. And as they're walking, her mom is slowly aging up to her current age and, and, and uh, meets up with the rest of the family in order to banish all the panda spirits and stuff like that whole sequence had me just buckets of tears I was constantly wiping away my uh my face and I'm trying not to audibly cry because I get embarrassed when I cry at movies <laughs> I don't normally cry so I tease my fiance because he is way more emotional with movies than I am and even if it's a good happy cry like something happy happens he'll have a little gl- glimmer in his eyes and he's nodding yeah you go character I'm rooting for you and well, it's, it's it's adorable I I, I slightly tease him you know, as in a loving way, but 
I like that. I admire that about him. I'm the opposite. I will fight myself not to cry. The last time I cried at a movie was um, (laughs) Avengers Infinity War. And I know that was a calculated cry. I know what you were doing, Marvel. I'm not dumb, (laughs) but it made me cry. (laughs) You did it on purpose. I know. I'm like, I know what they're doing, but you're still going to get a couple tears from me. And I, 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 I like how they went. Yeah. When they go through, you know, it's, I, it could have like, they could have gone both ways with that. I was, I was waiting to see if like all of the, all the aunties and the grandma and the mom would decide like, or would they decide to keep their panda and like yeah, would it be a I was, precedent yes. or would they all go back to where they were? And I, I, I did kind of like that. They still let her be the first one to be like, no, like I accept this. I'm gonna live it. And like her mom, I was expecting like at any moment her mom to turn around and be like, "No, like I can't do this." But I, it it also worked the way they did it, where they all were like, "Okay, we're gonna go back through this. Like we've done this. This is how we did it. We're not gonna change anything, but we're gonna accept your choice to like do it your way." I, I did. I did like how they ended up with that. I, yeah, and, and the way I kind of interpret it, whether or not this makes any sense, this is literally just kind of off the cuff straight from my heart, but I kind of saw it as a way of every other family member decided to banish the panda, and it kind of felt like to me that they couldn't, they couldn't own up to the trauma that they lived through, the emotional trauma that they've had, and that's kind of like their battle, and with the fact of uh may being the last one and she accepts that burden of the panda but accepts it as a part of her rather than casting it off and pretending it doesn't exist to me with my personal life journey i saw that as somebody who takes not pride but integrates their tragedy and integrates their mental health and integrates any of that stuff into them where they're not trying to pretend it never happened or that it doesn't exist, but they know, hey, look, this is some of the burdens in my life, be it mental trauma or emotional pain or anything like that, but that's part of me and I accept that. Again, that could be a totally only me interpreting that way, but that was another reason why that scene really got to me because it it was just such a beautiful thing. I love I loved how this movie ended. I loved it. It was so good. And it had giant kaiju pandas. I was like, okay, if she accepts it, and then you think, all right, not that. If you live an alternative lifestyle, i.e. me, maybe all you're going to have for the rest of your life is you and your dog, and you don't believe in love or kids or marriage or anything like that, that if she goes along a more traditional route and like grows up, gets married, or whatever it is, has kids, adopts kids, doesn't matter, she she would be the first member of her family to heal from that intergenerational trauma and start like a new precedent instead of all of them like yeah she's the one that is breaking the cycle yes. and starting and starting something new which is you know it's just not something that you really address or see in movies yes. but heal yourself so that your kids don't have to heal themselves later on from being parented right. by like, yeah, by a parent mm-hmm. who is still clearly suffering trauma. And yes. if she's able to like at the end when, you know, they're accepting that they're growing apart from each other. And like, I don't, my family and I don't have very close anything. I can go a month and then like, I'll get a text message like, Hey, are you alive? And you're like, yep. Do they have any idea what's going on in my life? 
nope. They know I work at a gym. They might not even know what it's called. It's been like six years. It is just how we are. But I can see how like difficult, like in the movie, they make it that she has to, you know, she can't be by her mom's side forever. But you know that because they go through this thing together, that they're going to be better in the long run than like, let's say, you know, her mom and the grandma even though they have their healing moment, but obviously yes. up until then they were not on good terms. I was just about to bring that up. I'm actually still here. I know it's been a while. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. Um, I was, no, I, this is a great conversation. I, I don't mind not interjecting on any of this. Um, I was just about to bring up the phone call. I, I think that was probably one of my favorite bits yes. where Maymay's mom was talking about how she's going to take care of her and everything's going to be so great. And it's not going to be like what happened with her mom. And then the phone rings and the mom calls and she just immediately screams and hides. Like I'm not here. (laughs) Obviously she heard you. So you're going to, you're going to have to take this phone call. Um, One of the things that really stood out to me with this movie is that yes, it is a little bit of a taste of nostalgia because it's early two thousands. It's boy bands. It's Tamagotchis. It's all these things. Um, but if you set it in a modernish era and you have TikTok and uh, Snapchat and all these other things, you kind of lose what makes the the story for Meme special, which is she kind of finds her place in her little nook of the world within her school. Because if she has TikTok, she becomes like a global sensation. Yes. Like, oh, is this a filter? Is this whatever? She's got hundreds of thousands of millions of views. But instead, it's her and her like little cluster of fifty school schoolmates, and uh, it's her her family. It's not a global thing; it is literally just a regional thing. And any influencer, not that I'm an influencer with our whole thirty to forty <laughs> listens per week, it, anyone who has that kind of influence, they still have their inner circle. They still have their community that they're in, and that is the part that really keeps you lets you know who you are. If she just went off on TikTok and the chive or whatever, and just, and became a, an internet sensation in a modernish era in the, in the context of the story, it's not as impactful. Two things about the time, uh, the, uh, the, the, Oh my God. I was going to say time of frame. What's the word I'm looking at? But era. Era. The, yeah. The, the era that it takes place in the time of frame. Yes. Two things. One the people who are making movies now are people our age in their 30s and 40s who grew up in this period of time. They were 12, they were 15, they were 17 during the early 2000s. So just like we've had a bunch of people relying on 70s and 80s nostalgia up till now, now we're getting the early 2000s nostalgia because now our age group are the ones making movies. So that's one thing. And two, I agree with you, Josh. I think it's the perfect absolute perfect year uh date range to set this movie in because of another thing typically speaking i i am not a chinese american nor do i have asian descent but typically speaking especially in asian cultures tradition is a very 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 important thing and generally speaking tradition means no technology <laughs> you know uh we 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 rely on closer bonds with either just traditional non-technology related things or nature or anything like that. And 2002 was that perfect pocket of time where we were getting technology, 
but it was nowhere near as globally connected and as it is now. Sure, we had AOL, but we didn't have cell phones that could typically just pull up YouTube and we can watch videos all the time. We had that 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 advanced tech, but it wasn't crazy Futurama tech or even now 2022 tech where you know we we can we can do this we can all get together in completely different parts of of the city or or the world and make a podcast together uh so yeah so not only did it have the context of oh man if a giant kaiju panda happened it would be everywhere on tiktok or youtube or everywhere it's it's that sweet spot of, hey, this is a rapid technology boom, which with the older generations like her mother and her grandmother, it's not going to make sense to them. Because how many of us had parents that didn't quite understand how fast technology was moving when we were teenagers? I originally, I was like, why is this set in 2002? And after watching the movie, I'm like, this couldn't not be set in 2002. That was just yeah, perfect. It was, it was the perfect like date range for that i also think i feel like maybe it maybe because of like all the technology and how it is now you're still able to have like that little bit of maybe innocence that perhaps is not a thing because like when i'm uh working at the gym if someone's got their kid and they're hanging out alone here's your ipad watch your show or play your game which is totally fine i mean yeah toy cell phone like that's it is just what it is i just like the the idea that because you know, you would be walking around your city or like you would be doing this or that because you're still kind of in an age where people aren't driving you everywhere. You're not like super helicopter parented because you don't know how dangerous everything is just yet. So sorry for the quick cut. I know we just got off a topic. Uh, Beppo had to run. She had another obligation, I guess. Rude. I don't, yeah, I know. What what does she have better to do than talk with us and our 20 listeners about turning red which she can't even remember the actual title she keeps saying <laughs> yeah. it's seeing red which it's easy to make fun of her now because she's not here but i i was like did i get the name of it wrong i was like i was so sure it was turning red and i feel like an idiot haha <laughs> it's not me this time <laughs> there are a couple of things i still wanted to talk about um one of them being something that becky you touched on earlier but we didn't really dive a little deeper into it is you mentioned that there's no actual like classmate female villain um usually in these kind of coming of age stories there's like the popular girl that is having her way of life threatened because she's set up the school in a way that everyone fears her or respects her or loves her and in this it's just kind of it is a lot more realistic where there's just groups of friends and everyone kind of knows each other and it's normal like yeah life just happens you're never going to go to a school where every kid is friends with each other, but you're also, okay, I'm going to go back and forth on it. I'm going to say you're never going to go to a school that's like, yeah, that there's like a literal king and queen of the school. Like, because there are so many people who are like, we do not fucking care about you. Like, this does not affect us at all. I say that as the kid who got like locked in a locker and a, like a giant sandwich like I did, like, it was like a classic movie moment. This McRib press sandwich was like rubbed all over my blouse at lunch in the middle, like of uh, all these other kids. And it definitely like, I remember feeling like I was, you know, in a movie where the popular kids, it's always the same people are going, but now I know that those girls are probably, you know, 
unknown. <laughs> you know, they might still talk to like the people they were friends with in high school, but it's probably a lot smaller of a circle than I used to assume it was. But at the time it felt so like daunting, like me versus the world or whatever. And I, I like that that wasn't in this movie. Yeah, I just, I was so nervous when I saw that blonde girl. I just had that automatic assumption that she was going to be, you know, the villain. Um, I know I brought up earlier the Little Mermaid. Even the Little Mermaid, Ursula, is, technically is a sea creature and then a woman. But she's like a straight up rival for this like prince's affection in a movie where it was like her dad was supposed to be like the quote unquote villain or whatever. Like every, every movie has to have the villain. And in, um, I like that in turning red, it, it is, and isn't the mom. It is her. And obviously they get in this huge fight, but that's far more realistic to me than like nothing changing at home. And then going through this whole big thing at school with some really mean girl and having to like, up upset how the whole school is run or whatever because it just isn't not realistic at all and being a girl i like that they did that is not a competition it's a collaboration and i i just like how they kept this friend group and even within the friend group when they had like their little tiff or whatever that was a pretty clear betrayal you know she sides with her mom over her friends and doesn't say anything so her friends should be mad at her there should be a fight there and the fact that you know that she's taking care of her little tamagotchi or whatever the whole time is so sweet because that that also is how that would work your feelings would be hurt you'd be like well we're not friends anymore like clearly you don't love me and I don't love you anymore and then you know that thing happens and the other girls are like she's been taking care of him every single day you're, it's okay to be mad at your friends and it's also okay to forgive your friends too. Oh, there's so many good moments in the movie. I was so happy that they didn't do anything with like, I don't know, some like pulling a prank on like the temple or like anything like that by the popular girl. Like, there's so many things they could have done with that and they didn't even put that in the movie at all in any way, shape or form. You didn't even, like the other girls were just you didn't know what friend group they were part of. You didn't know what kind of girls they were. You didn't like have any context whatsoever other than that they weren't part of like the, like Maylin's group, which is again, very, very normal. Stop, stop, stop putting girls against girls. It makes me mad. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And then even like you and you and Beppo had talked about earlier, uh, it really wasn't even like May May and her group versus Tyler either. Like Tyler was kind of the antagonist of the school side of things but it was almost more like he was acting out because he was jealous that they could act out on their, fa their fandom of four town where he had to hide it. And so he kind of took that jealousy and turned it into teasing. And, and, you know, was, you know, seemed at first, you're like, you said, you're, you're like, fuck this dude, like, fuck this fucking kid, man. And it was, uh, it was one of those things, like when they realize, you know, they see him at the concert, it's not, big comeuppance he just gets enveloped into the fold of that and probably has a very normal thing going on himself but is like that jealousy made more sense that you know you want you like you want to be seem like tough and cool which clearly now when you like think about like all the stuff he's doing in the movie like is what he wanted to seem like he doesn't care about this doesn't care about that like whatever but he, he also just wants to do what everybody else is doing or you know he wants to enjoy what he wants to enjoy this concert that's really awesome 
yeah, he wants to be able to be himself, which is something that Maymay is learning to do throughout this movie and that her friends really are able to do as well. Um, like they, they have their little dance moments and uh, they like, they quote unquote gatekeep each other, but they do it by having like little uh, uh, dance routines and they, they have choreography and they sing their songs. And Tyler is just jealous that he can't be that way. He can't be that. Uh, he can't be a fan of Four Town because it's not what boys do. It's a boy band, so boys shouldn't like it. Even though he seems, it seems pretty transparent that he's straight. They don't make any illusions that like, oh, only gay people and girls can like boy bands. Yeah. So like, I I really appreciated that because like I I somewhat jokingly mentioned earlier, like yeah, I enjoyed In Sync and the Backstreet Boys as a kid. Like music is music and yeah it's all mass consumption music but there's a talent that comes with making that music and being that well versed in singing the way that they do i would prefer to listen to music like the foo fighters green day the beatles whatever but like there's a place for all this pop music as well and it can be fun like there's no there shouldn't be any shame in it and like you were saying when they see him at the concert they just get excited that he is he is a townie i think is what they they call the the fans yeah of the band. I, remember, I think they say that yeah it, like oh he's a townie and it's it's not like they're making fun of him for being a townie because then they're kind of making they're admitting that what they like is dumb which undermines everything else because they're talking about how this is a journey into womanhood for them by being able to go to this concert but if they're making fun of him and saying this is dumb then that means their journey is dumb and it undermines the entire story. Yeah, that's what happens. You see someone enjoying the thing that you're enjoying, and you should just be happy that you can share it with them. It's not cool to not give a shit about stuff. And I that's, you know, one of those things where it's it's fun to be like excited about things like that and not have people shame you for it. Even maybe it has to like hide it from her mom how much she loves this band i mean yeah they talk it's the glue that holds their group together and then she at home pretends like you know when she sees that concert she has to pretend like oh yeah i'm not interested and there's nothing that is heartbreaking like having to hide stuff from your family who you want to like know you and accept you uh, but a lot of families, they don't work that way. My family does not work that way at all. I, they could, they really, I don't want to say not care, but I can't sit down and talk to them about anything and like get excited. Cause it's always like, oh, there goes Becky, like talking too much. And oh, Becky never shuts up. And like, it, it is so unfortunate that if I am like really excited about something like this movie, I, I can't turn to them and be like, oh man, like Emily should watch this. I think it's really great. Like they just, it's just not how they relate to me at all. So it is nice that I have this outlet to be able to do something like that because it does suck being like, oh, I'm so excited about this thing. But I know if I start talking about it, someone's just going to tell me I'm annoying or that it's like not appropriate or whatever. So like, Tyler, I feel you, buddy. Live my whole life like that. I'm a very exciting person and I like to be excited about stuff. Not caring about stuff is not cool. It's actually very frustrating for me that like some of that stuff I didn't get. I was on the opposite spectrum, like I said, about the boy thing where I was just like, I don't get this, but I'll pretend to do it because everybody else is doing it because I want to be like everybody else. I want people to think I'm normal like them uh, when, oh man, I just had it in my brain, the very specific thing that I wanted to say. Dang it. 
I told her, oh, wait, you said NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys, that girl that I had been friends with, uh, like, you know, our parents are friends. So then we were friends and then we were just kind of the same age. So it just happened to work out. It was one of those. I'll never forget when she had a NSYNC and Backstreet Boys like versus party and like you had to pick your favorites. And I did not like the music. I didn't know their names. I didn't think any of them were cute. I didn't understand that. I was like, I, I was going through at that time. I was like, you know, I, I do identify as straight, but at the time I was like, I, I don't do this. I don't have crushes. I don't get what's happening. I don't look at boys and think, Ooh, like, look at those delts. I was like, I, I just see humans. I, I don't get this. So I, I was on the opposite side of the spectrum where I felt super left out of all that kind of stuff. But I pretended to like pick my favorite or like be, you know, team this or team that. Cause I just wanted to, you know, it was exciting watching them all like, you know, get all hyped up for these songs coming on and like, get like, you know, tears in their eyes when they see their favorite character walk on stage. And you're like, what? I don't understand what's happening here. I loved all the excitement that was in the movie. Like all those, all the, emotions I think they did a really good job where she also wasn't just a happy child or like just smart or just like a nerd but she was a little bit of everything as everybody is nobody's just a nerd nobody's just a jock everybody's complex so I like that they let her be angry and like you know have that but I also like how they kind of explored the idea of those like girl friendships are so special they're so different. Like they're not like boy friendships at all. Boys and girl friendships, like anything. I don't know. There's just something so different about girls who are truly friends with other girls where it's, I'm going to call it casual intimacy, the holding hands or when they're all like hugging each other and they're like, we're here. We love you. Like that, that's what's so, so special about female friendships. And the fact that that was what helped her control like these new moods and like, like horrible emotions she was going through i.e your puberty but like so she could control the panda is like pretty fucking awesome to me that they address that in a movie i wish beppo was here for that one because she was talking she was talking about uh watching this with her best friend and like just having those moments together i'm sure uh really related to them as well um obviously it's not something that uh i can relate to uh being a cisgendered man um (laughs) just like puberty for men is just kind of like, Oh, can anyone see that? No. Okay. Let's move on. That's working now. Let's do this. (laughs) Girls gone wild commercials on after hours. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. um. That's pretty much it. It's not very exciting stuff. No, no. Just like, Oh man, that's, that's not going away for a while. Is it? Huh? Whereas with, with girls, it is like, I, they did too, where her mom shows up at the school and says, I brought pads. And it's like this horrible, embarrassing, terrible thing. But when her friends come and see her at the house, cause they haven't. So when they like, you know, we're knocking on her bedroom window and she's like, I brought pads. Like it, it's so cat. Like, like, not like I, I have this. It's like, yeah, I have pads. Like, do you need them? Like, because now it is, a, that is just a thing. I do it all the time at the gym. Our clientele is a majority female. Um, and a lot of them are still like menstruating, going through all of that. And I tell all of them constantly, like, you know, if they, I've had, they come up and they're like, do you, do you have a tampon? They always do the whisper thing. And I'm like, oh, we have tampons in the bathroom. I told my boss that we should buy them. 
I do remember I, we didn't have them there. And I was like, uh, Hey, we should add, um, you know, you should buy and stock tampons. And he, as a male was like, uh, why? And in the, in the best way possible was like, don't you guys do that for yourselves? And I'm like, I can't possibly explain to you how this works and how it's a surprise and how you don't know, but it is. And we should have it readily available for like the women who need it. And then also when I'm working out with my workout partner, who is a giant, strong looking male, and you would assume that maybe he doesn't want to talk about periods, but he was a health teacher. Uh, one of the ladies like kind of said something about it and you could tell she was like really nervous and he's like, I don't fucking care. He's like, it's your period. Like girls get them. That's what happens. And I'm like, that should be really normal. I know he's different. He's not like everybody else I know, but that should be a very, that should be what we're like striving to go towards. So a movie like this wouldn't be a big deal. I still don't get why it is. I don't, I don't know what I'm missing. <laughs> I don't get it. It's just a movie. I watched Turning Red. And then because I was super far behind, because I don't have Disney Plus, I watched all in the same night. I think I watched, I watched Luca. And then I watched, let's see, what's the other one I said with uh, Maribel? What's that one? Oh, Encanto. Oh, thank you. Yeah, with the house. Wow, I didn't even remember the name. So I watched Luca. I watched that. There's one other one that I watched. Oh, Onward with the ears. They're looking oh, for the yeah, dad. the really boring elf alternate world. God, it was fucking boring. Thank you. It was really fucking boring. The dragon I, looked cool, but like but other than that, I was, it it was, was not so, the best movie ever. That was it had a really cool cause. I don't know. It was really boring. Any but Luca was cute, but I was also kind of bored with it. And maybe it was because I watched just turning red first and it was so good that I was kind of let down by these other, like, I don't know, all these other characters seemed kind of flat compared to that it just didn't it wasn't as exciting to me as like watching the turning red had been so good it was so good i'll never get over it i mean literally to text you about liking a movie and then to text you like like oh not even a few minutes later i don't do that ever uh, but i did because i was just like i need to tell somebody how much i'm enjoying this this is crazy yeah and to your point um i mean not to like I, I do not mean this as a humble brag or as like, a, I'm better than other men kind of thing. Well, um, but you I grew clearly up with, are. Clearly. Uh, but I grew up with two other, two older sisters and I didn't even really know about their cycles until I hit health class and my, in high school. And we talked more about these things, but uh, it was, is something that was always around the house, like pads and all these things. I never thought anything of it. And when uh, I met, my wife and we started getting serious and she was having her cycles and uh going through her her menstrual i i, I don't period. even know what really to say I, going through her period thank you and i offered to go get her some pads she like just like had a look of shock i was like you're you don't want to go anywhere and you're like running low why can't i go just send me a picture of what you need and i'll get it for you and she just was like okay uh but she was like shocked that you know, her boyfriend, significant other would drop whatever to go get her some pads because apparently she'd never experienced that before. And I was just like, why not? It's not like it's, it's something that you just kind of need to do, especially when it comes to a period, you, you need your pads. Otherwise things are going to be worse. Yeah. And it, it, it definitely like it, you know, for us, we were like, it shouldn't be a thing, but I had, so my family's weird and like split up all around or whatever. Um, so Emily's way younger than us. So we missed all that. And then they moved. So I didn't even know what's going on. We don't talk about it. 
So like my start of that was all really weird. Uh, yeah, I, d- I distinctly remember one day my, I had like my own bathroom kind of, um, that got built in the basement. It was just next to my room, but it wasn't mine. Like it would just happen to be the closest to me. So I used it the most and it's built weird. And there were, there's no storage near the toilet, which females need. So I like, I just remember the first time I was like, Oh, I've got to put my tampon somewhere. And I put it under the sink and I came back in my room. They were, um, they were like in one of my drawers and I was like, that's weird. And my stepmom had put them in the drawer and she was like, well, you can't put those in the bathroom. Your dad shares this bathroom with you and you guys need to get better. Like she's like, you know, she was like, so what you need to do is like wrap up the tampon or the pad or whatever. And like, so she's like, when you put it in the um, wastebasket, like make sure you cover it with Kleenex. And I remember even at the time, that's probably what got me started on all this. Like, um, no, fuck that. And all that. That's absolutely ridiculous. I was like, uh, he's the one that had children. Two of them happen to be female. You are female. And I'm supposed to hide the fact that I even have my period. And like, we did not say the word period. You didn't ask for like pads or tampons or like, if you did, it had, like, it couldn't be written on the grocery list. It had to be something that was like, only you like at the store picking them out it was very a very I had a very weird childhood the older I get the more I'm like oh I'm real fucked up and I everybody's real fucked up but I'm like super real fucked up so that made me oh that made me so mad so even watching a movie where the mom was like I have this I have this I have this I didn't have any of that growing up a girl in my school gave me a tampon and I had to figure out how to use it myself so not everybody does have even though it's like, Ooh, like pads and tampons weird. Like not even girls don't have moms that necessarily are willing to teach them that. So it should just be one of those things that everybody learns about at the same time. I would like to learn about boy puberty. I mean, if there's any extra stuff that goes on, I'd like to know about it. I would have liked to learn about it as like scientific, not weird and shameful drives me crazy how shameful it is to be born female and then all the people who are like this movie's terrible like they're perpetuating even more shame because I think about I I had to sit there and think like because I kind of just looked up the reviews just to see I I don't like reading them but I just want to see and when I saw all the headlines that were like you know critics say this and critics are saying that and why I won't let my young boys or like young children watch this new Pixar movie for these reasons, like that shame kind of came back. And I was like, oh, like, man, even like all these very normal things are being turned into this horrible, shameful thing. But a a movie about a boy, boys coming of age, which I mean, Luca was kind of that, right? Luca Luca was that with a little bit of like a gay twist to it too. Cause it's kind of, I feel like it was very thinly veiled, uh, allegory for coming out of the closet but like going back to late 90s early 2000s there's a movie about a coming of age story about a young man who decides to stick his penis in a pie so yeah. you know that's and fine that's, that's but hilarious. don't you dare talk about the normal reproductive cycle of women and periods right and like unless unless it's as a joke or something like it always has to be something super gross and again, like, like, oh, no, no normal girl would ever do that. But yeah, the, I just, when people do things like something that seems casual, like reading a review or saying, well, I wouldn't let my kids watch this. Like you just have to be, yeah, the, the, you have to be careful about the shame 
that you perpetuate for being female in general. We're at a point now where people are like, oh, I can't do this anymore because we have to be politically correct. It's like, no, you were never able to say good morning, sweetheart, to your secretary. She just couldn't fucking tell you that or she'd get fired. Like, it, this isn't new. It's not all of a sudden. It's now we feel a little bit more like, oh, we're not going to lose our livelihood or get shot in the face outside of the parking lot later on if we disagree with someone. Like, that's, yeah, I think I'm just... I like movies like this. I want more of them so that it isn't like, yeah, we're not even spending any time talking about it because it shouldn't be a big deal. So there is one thing that um, the dad doesn't play a large role, but the dad does play a significant role. And as a father, um, I did want to bring up a couple of different things. Um, the number one thing being uh, when Mame first becomes the panda, uh, the dad's like, oh, it happened already. And uh, then he's like, oh, we, we should have told her. And that's when Mamie's like, wait, what? You knew this was going to happen to me? And I feel like that is very clearly meant to be like a, a young woman has had her first period and she's like, what the hell is happening to me? Why didn't you prepare me for this? And dad just kind of haphazardly blurts out like, oh, we did, we should have had this talk sooner. And you're like, you knew this was going to happen to me? And it, it's, it's something that, yeah, it's it feels like the dad was kind of meant to be the voice of reason for this because the mom was kind of so ashamed of the idea of may may becoming a young woman. Yes. Where even they did a little bit. I was actually, you know, I'm all about the dad love. Like I really am. That's my kind of feminism, true equality, which is like dads are just as important of parents. And I hate and cannot stand like the bumbling idiot dad with the you know capable beautiful wife it, it that doesn't make any like that's not how that works and that really undermines like what dads go through or have to go through my dad got full custody of us which is an unusual precedent so even though my parents ended up co-parenting as long as I can remember basically but I know that that's really important like dad's have that responsibility. So I was nervous that they were basically going to make him be like comedic relief and, and like the bumbling fool, because at, at the beginning, when they think it's her period, he kind of like, it like goes in the kitchen. He's like, I'm out. I, I'm not dealing with this kind of thing, which I was like, damn it. Like, of course, like, you know, dad, or it's, it's gross girl stuff. You deal with that, which I, I get, but it could be, and should be, a co-parent thing like both parents should be responsible for like hey you know you can ask me for this you should be comfortable like talking to me for this like if you're not like you know it should just be an open discussion but I did like that yeah he's like you you should have told her like you know when it came to the panda part of it it's like he understands because he watched his wife go through it but he doesn't understand enough because it's not it's not his thing he obviously never had to so he is just, he's supporting like the idea of both of them. But I like at the end, the idea, like he sees that videotape. I, I like that they gave him that moment of the mom is seeing her daughter the way, you know, as her daughter and the dad gets to see her as a kid. Does that make sense? Like definitely. Goofing, yeah. yeah. Goofing off with her friends and being really silly and like, oh my gosh, you know, 
even at that point, like she's using technology and they're like recording this and like, look how funny she's being with her friends when she's not around us. Like they're not doing anything bad. They're just like, they're being these fun, goofy kids. And he's seeing like how well, you know, she's doing like going to the panda, be not being the panda, like, I guess how she's dealing with this new thing in her life where his only experience before was when he mentions like how big and angry her mom was. And then we see that you're like, Oh shit. He's like, I said, she was big. So he kind of gets like this positive outside view of his daughter, just getting to be like a little person, which I, I would think that that's probably like a really good part of parenting is when you start to see your kids as their own people instead of just your kids. And that's what like the mom's holding on to for so long is my little girl, my precious baby, like a miniature version of me, like this perfect, like little precious darling. And then the dad's like, you know, like you, you can do you. And he's basically when he gives her the camera. He's like, it's not stupid. Like it's you. Like it, if it's important to you, it's important. Full stop. That was a good, that was a good moment for him. It was a very good dad moment. And uh, it's, it's just really, it was really refreshing to see. Um, that he wasn't making a big deal out of it either. And he wasn't given that like bumbling dad kind of moment. The one thing I, I do want to throw out there is if anyone did really enjoy like the, the Chinese influences and the culture and all that stuff, um, some of the stuff that was in the movie really reminded me of, uh, I think it was 2020. It came out uh, a movie on Netflix called over the moon. Uh, it is all it's set in China and it it's really heavily influenced by Chinese lore. Um, it's also a musical. There's some really great music in it. And uh, Philippa Sue, who's in Hamilton, plays one of the characters in there, and she has a few really good musical numbers. It's just really good. And again, the Chinese influences are really, really fun. So I recommend that movie as well as Turning Red. They're very different movies. They're both coming of age stories, but they're, uh, again, very different. Yeah. So we're going to wrap it up there. Um, We're going to splice in Beppo's social media plugs here. Yeah, and as always, it's an absolute pleasure to record with you guys. Uh, as far as my social medias go, uh, you could follow me mostly on Twitter. I'm Beppo, B-E-P-B-O. Yeah, pretty, pretty simple. Um, I do have a TikTok under Beppo Art, but I hardly ever use it because I'm a boomer. Oh yeah, uh, I'm also Beppo on Instagram, but again, I very rarely ever post. So just, I mean, just, just follow me on Twitter. That's all you need. And uh, Becky, do you have any social medias you want to plug? I know you've got your Irene Imagines on the IG. Yes, on Instagram. I mean, I have my other Instagram, my personal Instagram. If you want to see really cute pictures of my dog, who is the best, it's uh, Bex Roman Fitness on Instagram. And you can follow me at Josh underscore Scar. You can follow the podcast at Talking Smack Pod. You can email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com. And please like, rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff that lets us know you're listening and that you enjoy what we're doing. Uh, I personally don't even care if you give us one star, three stars. I want feedback. That's the main thing I want. And that's what the review system is supposed to be for. We're on Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, Pod Chaser, and a few others. You guys, Josh is in his element. I can't tell you. I worked with him and I've known Josh for a really long time. He likes 
what he's doing. He's clearly having fun. I mean, I like being invited to the podcast, even though I feel like I'm really terrible at it and my voice is the worst and I never shut the fuck up about anything. But if you could see how well he like all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, it really isn't just sitting down and recording and then being done with it. It's the editing coming up with topics. Like he's trying to schedule us all out. Um, you know, letting me have access to things like Disney plus even to watch a movie, like, so that I, we know what we're talking about when you're listening to podcasts, there's lots of passion and work that goes on behind it. And when you start out, things aren't going to be great. And that's just, he just wants to get better and he wants to know what you guys want, but I'm very, 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 very proud every time that you update us, Josh, in the group. I am so super excited when my friends do things. And I think making little things like this, like little passion projects, just just good. It's good stuff. So please give little reviews, positive, negative, just be honest. And we, we use it. Josh reads everything. He goes through and he always comes through with everything. You know, if you guys say you really hate something, he's going to fix it. That's it. Unless it's just some kind of bullshit where you're like, uh, Rebecca's voice is super annoying. Fuck you. <laughs> exactly. Or, <laughs> you know, they, they talk too much politics in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode. Like, that's the point of the fucking show, man. <laughs> I know Get over that yourself. A, you missed the point. <laughs> I don't like politics in my comics. I'm going to go read Captain America now. <laughs> that is politic free, guaranteed. So, yeah, we uh, feedback is appreciated. And Rebecca is making me blush with all this stuff. You're good at this. No, you're good. Uh, I'm so proud of you. Eh, whatever. Be proud um, of your friends. <laughs> Sorry, okay, I'm done. I'm proud. Josh has three kids. He thought <laughs> I met Josh when he thought he was never going to get married and that no girl was ever going to look at him twice. I was, I knew Josh when he met Erica and there's a whole incident with a rose that was really embarrassing for everybody at the time, but now it's, <laughs> well, that was not new. embarrassing for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> it was for everybody else. Secondhand embarrassment. It was like watching an episode of the office, like Scott's tots. It was this, that kind of, I'm just, I'm kidding. And now I like, yeah. And his kids, Thought I was really fucking cool for some reason. I'm like, man, he's got a whole life. Josh is a cool guy. Proud of you, man. Blush. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I mean, I, I appreciate you being on Becky, and I, I, I am very proud of you as well. I've seen you grow up from an awkward 16 year old girl, <laughs> and now you're an awkward almost 30 year old woman. Yay! So nose piercings new, and I tattoos. I got a new couch cover today. So oh my that's goodness. Exciting. <laughs> and it's not plastic. So, you know, you're not fully old yet. It's textured. Uh, I'm sorry. I keep getting distracted by your Brack painting in the background too. Oh, I, I painted that. Can you see it? Yeah. I've been looking at it. I've been wondering if you painted it or if you uh, bought it, but nope, I painted very cool all to, these. Very cool. <laughs> He's pretty awesome. You should get a Twitter so you can put it up and we can tweet it out on talking smack. Fine. I'll think about it. <laughs> That's all I ask. Thank you again, everyone <laughs> for listening and take care.